This morning we began our series, our new study together uh, in the letter or the epistle or the book of Ephesians. Uh, and so Ephesians is a, is a New Testament book of the Bible, fully inspired by God, fully breathed out by God. And the Lord used the Apostle Paul uh, to write this letter and its original audience, it was addressed to the church and believers in the city of Ephesus. And today we're going to be looking at just the first few verses Basically, our goal today is give us an introduction to Ephesians and what God has for us. Um, But we're going to have an introduction today and see why God used Paul uh, to write to those in Ephesus. And we're also going to see how we apply that to our lives because church, it is very much applicable to our lives and our church today. Uh, But before we dive in, I just want to have just a brief overview of what we're going to be looking at. Paul is writing this letter to a church that's living in a major city called Ephesus. And he writes this, as he's writing this, he's teaching them how to faithfully follow Jesus, right? That's that's good, man, how to faithfully follow Jesus. There's a lot going on around these Christians in the city of Ephesus. There's a lot going around us, amen, church? There's a lot going on in our lives today, man. There's a lot of, lot of things going on. But he's saying, how, here's how you follow Jesus, There's a way of life that they're surrounded by. And Paul's saying, hey, I'm going to teach you and instruct you and encourage you to be with the Lord, to follow the Lord as individuals, but also as a church body. Sometimes we get this idea that God calls us and he saves us as believers, and then that's kind of what we do. Man, I'm telling you, church, man, we are to be together, right? You don't see a healthy follower of Christ in Scripture that's not a part of a local body. Amen, church? And so we're going to see that as we go through this today, so as individuals and as the church body. And as we walk through the study, we're going to see how true and applicable this letter is, not just to them in, a, in Ephesus, but us right here in Tucson in our lives today. And so I'm looking forward to how God's going to teach us and instruct us and encourage us as followers of Jesus in that authentic life. So I'm just going to kind of jump through some characteristics of who Ephesus is and what's going on in their city. I just want us to take a minute and look at them and get an idea of what city these people, these Christians are living in. So I'm just going to kind of jump around a little bit. At this time, Ephesus is a very well-known city. It's known for its wealth. It's known for its wealth. If you were to study its history, you will see that the uh, encyclopedias and, and the studies of this city will show you that at this time where, where Paul is writing this, by the way, he's writing this while he's in prison, okay? He's writing this to the church in Ephesus while he's in prison, but you're going to see that Ephesus at this time is a church that is having some major growth. Emily, they're having some major like growth in their residential development, okay? She's our, she's our gal and doing, what are you? You're a real estate agent. And so, right, and so there's a major growth in there. The, the residents that are moving in and living there, we would consider them somewhat, well, that wasn't a plug for her, okay, I'm just saying, yeah, but, or maybe. So, but they were, they w- we would consider them somewhat wealthy. We would definitely consider them upper middle class families up to somewhat wealthy uh, people that were living there. It's a city known as a, as a melting pot, very diverse in population. We can, we can understand that, right? Very diverse in its population. Uh, they were known for their entertainment. They would have theaters. They would have sports events. They would have shows, those types of things. And they were also known for their growing marketplaces, lots of places to shop and spend your money, right? Um, the city had a reputation for being very much focused on money and material things, all right? 
It was in a great location. I, I grew up in Kansas City, spent most of my life there, and Kansas City was always known for being in a great location, right? It's, it's kind of a, it, a lot of people came through there. It's, it's a city that's still growing, uh, but it's great location. Lots of roads in and out to other major cities. That's one thing that helps make a, a major city. And so they had the same thing. Lots of roadways coming in and out. They were also a city known for its pursuit and display of sex and sexual things, right? Things like prostitution and gambling were a very common sight for them. But Ephesus was a very important city in the world at that time. They were important regarding politics. They were important regarding education. They were important regarding commerce. Business Insiders has its top 50 and top 10 places to live. They would have been all over that, right? They might have been on the front cover. They were just, they were the fourth or fifth largest city at that time, but there was a lot going on. I'm a history nerd. I like to study. This was fun, studying Ephesians more than I had before. There, there's many things that Tucson, what are some things that Tucson's known for? What is it? <laughs> Graffiti? I tried to help you with a plug for your... Potholes? Okay, well, this is going nothing. I'm going to help you, okay? All right. I'm going to pray for you guys. All right. All sorts of stuff, okay? We're good. All right. Sonoran dogs. I like some Mexican food. The dry heat. We don't just have heat. We have dry heat. I don't even know where to go, church. You guys are just all over the place, man. But but I think if we if we looked at Ephesus and we just kind of zoomed out, Ephesus, I think we could say they were known for two major things. From a historical standpoint, they were commonly known for two major things. One would be immorality, and the other one would be religion. That kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us, but let me give you an idea. Let me give you one example of what I mean by that. They had pagan temples. They were known for their temples. right? They would have pagan temples there. They worship idols and stuff like that. But oddly enough, in some of those temples, they were used to support things like prostitution. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me, church? Like it was, there were immorality and religion. When we look at different religions, right, there were many beliefs that they pursued, many different things. We've got this mountaintop theory that we talk about here in the West, right, where you got, they're down at the bottom of the mountain and God's at the top and you pick your way to the top. That would have been there. They pursued things like true enlightenment, meaning that they could rise to higher levels of mysterious knowledge, might, sometimes even higher than their gods, right? They worshiped fake idols. And so think about that. If you were a missionary trying to re- reach Ephesus, man, that would be tough. Right? You're trying to share the gospel. They were also known for their spiritual warfare. Okay? Don't let that freak you out, but we're going to spend a couple weeks talking about that at the, end of, at the end of our series in Ephesians chapter 6. He practically gives most of the chapter to that. And we've already talked much about their, their immorality, but there are two reasons that I wanted to, to walk through all of that with you this morning about who Ephesus was. One is because when we study the Word of God, we should understand the context. Right? We should understand, get the picture of life that's going on <clears throat> and why Paul will use some of the words he's using or maybe he illustrates something. But I also want us to know this. Things aren't much different than we see today. They're not much different than we see today. We see, listen to this, we see major cities here in the United States that are known for education, that are known for politics, that are known for commerce, that are known for sex, that are known for entertainment, that are known for materialism. Right? We have many or all of our cities in our, in our nation that have a religious background or religious history to them. Right? That's one of the first things that we did when we moved here, before we moved here. We started studying the, the faith and the religion background of, of Tucson. 
Man, we can, we can relate to this city a lot. Lots of things have changed since this point in history. I'm sure they had different hairstyles and different types of clothing. Amen? Right? Praise God. But there are so many things that are the same, church, right, and that we can relate to. So knowing all this about Ephesus, think about the church and the Christians that are living there. They really wanted to follow the Lord. They were known or they were seen as opposition. They were seen as a threat to the way of life in Ephesus. Why? couple reasons christianity jesus says i'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me if you're here today and you don't know jesus please understand that it's only through him that we have eternal life there's one god right the bible tells us jesus tells us that our treasure should not be here but it should be in in heaven right the bible tells us jesus tells us that our eyes should be on him and that we should be obedient to him and his word but the the city is saying hey you pick your path to your spiritual high right? You be who you want to be. Live how you want to live. We kind of hear some of those things today, right? You be you. Live your best life now. That's a bunch of hogwash, church, man. Are you with me? Man, sin how you want to sin. And that's why there's this opposition, and that's why they see Christians and followers of Christ as opposition to their way of life. So here in Ephesus, Paul is writing to help them and to help us today in two major areas as they and as we live in our culture? How do we follow Jesus? How do we be the church he's called us to be? We can see that Ephesians, when Paul writes Ephesians, as he does most of his books, they're broken up into two major divisions. There's a lot of things covered in this book, in this letter, but two major divisions, and we're going to look at that as we walk through this series. The first part is, like your bulletin, or this thing said, well, it did say up here, it's our identity in Christ. And the second half, that's the first three chapters. The second three chapters are focused on our walk with Christ, right? Who are we? Who do we belong to? What's our purpose? What's our identity? For the first three weeks, or the first, I'm be more than three weeks, first three chapters, right? And then the last three chapters is how do we follow Christ, right? How do we live in a way that Christ calls us to live? How do we live out what scripture says? So our walk with Christ. And so we're going to walk through this book in, in sections uh, at a time. We're going to take breaks here and there. I, we're, going to, we're going to walk through Jonah coming up here soon, but that's going to be down the, it's going to be in the middle of this series. But I'm just excited about what God's going to do in this book, man. I'm just, it's going to be a great study. Uh, I don't know about you. If you open up the Bible, Ephesians may only cover four, five, six, seven, eight pages, right? I remember we walked through Mark and it was a whole bunch of pages. It took us over a year to walk through that. Uh, but this is five to eight pages only 155 verses, may take you 20 or 30 minutes if you're a speed reader to read right through it. But church, God is going to use this. I'm just confident in that. He's going to teach us. He's going to instruct us. He's going to encourage us in our walk with Jesus as individuals. But just as importantly, how do we live as his church? And so today, we're really introducing Ephesians and looking at the first two verses together. So next week, we're going to dive deeper in. Are you with me? We're going we're gonna to dive deeper in into a passage, but we're really going to dive into the first two verses. Some, sometimes we just skip over this stuff, but we're really going to dive into the first two verses, and then we're going to spend some time in prayer and then focus on Jesus and what he's done for us as we take the Lord's Supper together. And so Ephesians chapter 1 in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. That's where we're going to be at today. It'll be up on the screen as well. Would you guys stand so we can honor God in prayer, and then we will read this text together. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you, God, that you love us. You loved us first. God, while we were yet sinners, 
You loved us so much that Jesus died for us and rose again so that we could have eternal life and be forgiven. God, we pray, Lord, today that as we read through these first two verses, God, that you would, you would speak to us, that we would have ears to hear. God, that we would not just hear it, but also apply it. And so, God, help us give whatever we need to give to you today. God, just help us give you our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing as we read. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be seated. So Paul begins this letter just as most letters would have been written at this time. What we're seeing here is we're seeing an example in, 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 in this one. Colossians is written a lot like this book. This is how they would address their letters. A, a, a writer would, would begin by introducing themselves. I know people don't really write letters anymore, but when I wrote a letter, it would say, dear so-and-so, and at the very end, it would say, from or love or best regards or sincerely me, right? My name. But in this time, they would begin by introducing themselves and describing themselves, and, ma- and then they would make it clear who the letter was written to. And so he says, I'm Paul, right? He describes himself by saying, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus. And then he says, you know what, guys, I'm writing this, this is who I'm writing it to, it's to the saints who are at Ephesus. And then he says, and it's to those that are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now we can come to these first two verses, and we can really be tempted to just kind of move on and get into what we might call the meat of this study, right? But we'll miss a whole lot if we miss these two verses. Paul, right from the beginning, he gives two important messages in this, really in the first verse. Two important messages, and we're going to look at those today. So that whenever we continue through this series, we can, we can focus on these two things. The first message is this. He's telling the church and he's telling us, you can trust what I'm about to tell you. You can trust what I'm about to say. And that message goes for us, right? We, we're going to see that Ephesians is fully, it's fully inspired by God. It's God-breathed. It's full of God's truth. And so as we read this, we can trust God. We can listen and respond to what God is, is telling us as we read through it. In church, all of Scripture is that way, right? All of Scripture is applicable. All of Scripture should teach us today. We say at Authentic Life, what do we say? Uh, by the grace of God, we'll remain faithful to the Word of God, Right? Because of God's grace, because he helps us with that, man, we'll remain faithful to be obedient to what the word of God says. Now, here's why I say we can trust this. Here's why I say they can trust it and then and we can trust it. He introduces himself as Paul. Now, this church, uh, this church body, especially in Ephesus, would have known Paul very well, right? Some would say, Jessica and I had the honor, God, God called us down from Kansas City, and, and some of you guys were part of that team to launch Authentic Life Church, right? Some would say that Paul planted this church. I believe that he planted this church. Others would say that he helped plant it or establish it. Some people would say other people started it and he came along. It doesn't really matter. But Paul is a man that either planted this church or was greatly involved with the beginning of this church. Are you with me? So man, he's, he's, he's kind of that guy. He was a man with a great reputation in this church. There are people in our lives, you can think about this as soon as I say it, when they say something, it carries weight. Right? If someone says something in your life, you're like, I'm listening. I'm listening to that because it carries weight. We know them. We trust them. And, and not only do they say things, but they live out what they say. Right? So you trust those people. And that's Paul. That's Paul for, for them. He's that guy. But Paul, I'll be honest with you, he probably could have left it there and just said, you know what, guys? I'm Paul. 
you know me, I'm a godly dude, right? Trust what I say. But he doesn't. He doesn't leave it there. Paul points to the ultimate authority and the ultimate reason why we can trust what we read in Scripture and what we can read in Ephesians. He says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I told my wife, I said, I think I'm crazy. She said, I know. And I, but she says, why? And I said, I'm going to spend the whole sermon talking about these two verses. And she goes, all right, let's do it, right? But he's letting them know, he's saying this, church of Ephesus, he does it in, in, in Colossians 2, what I'm about to write you, it doesn't originate from me. It comes from someone greater than me. So let's look what he says. He says, I am an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's telling them as the church, he's saying, right, they're, they're, they're the church because they're saved, right? They're Christians. And he's telling them, hey, you know Jesus, the one that you follow, the one that you surrendered to, the one that saved you, the one that you're trusting and the one that you're wanting to follow, right? That Jesus, he's telling them, I'm an apostle of Jesus, the term or title of apostle in the New Testament, really, if we're going to simplify it, it means messenger or it means one that is commissioned or sent out. In this case, sent out by God, right? That's an apostle. And so in the New Testament, we see it kind of used, well, not kind of, we see it used two different ways, the word apostle. In some places, we see it used to describe kind of a role in the church, to describe those that are called out or sent out by God, maybe as a missionary or with a message for that church. But when we see it used here, it's more specific, The second way we see apostle used in the New Testament, and probably the way we're most familiar with it, is referring to a very small group of people, right? And that is the way Paul is using it here. He's not talking about a gifting within the church. He's talking about a small group of people. What group of people is he talking about? Jesus, in Luke chapter 6, you can write that down. I don't have it for you up on the screen. But Jesus, in Luke chapter 6, it says that he commissioned a small group of men and called them apostles you guys are good man these were men chosen by god these were men sent out by jesus these were men that jesus gave them authority and a message on his behalf the authority doesn't come from them it comes from christ the message doesn't come from them it comes from jesus christ and although paul wasn't with the original 12 paul was given the title and the calling and the office of apostle we see that in the book of acts Right? Paul was known as a persecutor. Right, He killed people for following Christ. But he had to come to Jesus' meeting, right? He did on the way to Damascus. Man, he, he met Jesus Christ and his life was radically changed. And then the Lord gave him that title and, and, and called him apostle. These were men that were set apart by Jesus himself. He personally chose them and called them. And they were all personal eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus Christ after he died and rose again, even Paul, because Jesus made himself known to him on the road to Damascus. And Jesus used these men greatly. They had authority from Jesus. Jesus used them in the teaching and the instruction and the leading of his church. In Acts chapter 2, it says they were devoted to the teaching of the apostles, right? Which is the message of Jesus Christ. It's the word of God. Many of them, God used to write some of the New Testament. We see that right here, right? So Paul is saying, these words that I'm about to write, don't focus on me. This isn't my message to you. God is just using me. This isn't words that are from some really cool guy or the godliest guy you know. He's not saying that at all. Paul is saying, I was chosen by God, by Jesus. I was sent out by him, and this is his message. This is God's word. 
And so he's telling the church in Ephesus, trust what I'm about to tell you. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. Use these words as you follow Jesus. And for us, that's good news, church. Because we don't have to see this writing as just a letter written a couple thousand years ago, right? A couple thousand, does that make sense? Two thousand, however many years ago. We can see this letter and we can see the word of God as the fully inspired word of God. Sometimes, church, let's just be honest. We open up the Bible, we're like, I don't really like that part. Let's just skip over that. Come on now. Amen? We do it. We do it. It's all fully inspired by God. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So 2 Timothy says this, all scriptures inspired by God, it's profitable. Inspired by God means it's God breathed. He puts the life into this word, church. Hebrews tells us, here's another reason we can trust what Paul's about to tell us and the word of God. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Man, I I love getting, I don't love it, but I get in conversations with people periodically talking about sanctity of human life and abortion and and all those types of things. And like, Jeff, times have changed. And I say, Jesus hasn't. And sadly, sometimes we have to say that to Christians. The message hasn't changed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he tells us in in Ephesians, whatever book we're in, Ephesians is the word of God, and it's true today. Good stuff, man. My wife told me, you all are in trouble today because I haven't preached in a couple weeks, but man, what we read in Ephesians, we can read and apply to our lives. Why? Because it is the written word of God, the God that never changes. Young people today, let me tell you something. I would not want to be a young person today. There are a lot of people fighting for your attention. There's a lot of distractions. You can always trust the word of God. Amen. Parents, let's get real. It's your job. Have them lead in that area. Be in the word. Let your kids see in the word. Amen. All right. Never changes. You can always trust the word of God. His truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can often say, man, a lot has changed since this letter was written, but Paul's making it clear. This is not my word. This is God's word, and he never changes. His message never changes. His word is always true. So right from the beginning, Paul is letting us know we can read this. What we're going to read in Ephesians, what we're going to walk through and study as a church, man, we can trust it. We can apply it to our lives, in our personal lives, and right here at Authentic Life Church. I'm excited to see how God's going to use this to help us learn and grow. Because we, we should walk out, when we open up the Word of God, we should walk out more like Jesus. Amen? Man. So Paul opens up by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Remember, there's two important truths just from that first few verses. And the first is we can trust. Let's add to that. We can trust, we can learn, we can follow, we can apply to our lives what we read here in Ephesians because it's the Word of God. Not because Paul says so, not because Paul is this amazing guy, which he was, by the way, but because he is writing this as the apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. This is God's word. And then he says this, I'm writing this to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So the first truth is, is that we can trust it, we can follow it, we can apply it because it's God's word. Second important thing to know is this, this letter, this study of Ephesians, let's just be honest, it's going to be encouraging and challenging. All right, are you with me? It's going to be encouraging and challenging. I'm going to try to explain what I mean here. We see that here, Paul says, I'm writing this to the saints and to those who are faithful. All right? Paul's telling us who we are to the saints. We're going to talk about that. And then he's also writing it how we should live 
You have someone tell you how to live. That's challenging, right? So it's going to be both encouraging and challenging. The the encouraging part is this. He calls us saints. We're going to talk specifically about what he means. But Paul is telling us who we are. Right, this is good news. When we know who we are because of Jesus Christ, man, we should celebrate. Right? It's encouraging. We're going to see who we are and whose we are. We belong to Jesus. Amen? Come on. I'm getting, excited. I'm getting Pentecostal up here. I'm just, I don't even know what's going on, man. But the, the, <laughs> yeah, that's, ah, sorry. But we're going to see who we are. That's the encouraging part. Some of you guys are like, I'm never coming back. I don't know. I'm just saying, man, God's, God will fix me. I'm just, just be ready. The challenging part is, the encouraging part is who we are. Because we belong to Jesus, the challenging part is we need to live faithful to Jesus. All right? He said, I'm writing this to the saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Let's break that down, if you're still willing to listen. I don't know. But Paul is telling us in chapter 1, I'm writing this to you as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and this is who I'm writing it to. He says, to the saints who are at Ephesus. All right? When we hear the word saints, our mind runs to a couple different things. We usually hear of different definitions of what the word saint means. And I don't mean to step on toes today, but the word of God is probably going to do that today. Okay, let's just lay that out there. Don't blame me. Right? You may have heard the word or the title saint used to describe a special elite group of Christians, the Navy SEALs of Christians. Right? If you look up the word saint in the Webster Dictionary, you're going to see a definition something like this. You're going to see a saint described as someone that lived a very holy, super holy life on earth. And when they died, a church gave them a special designation as a saint. Here's the truth, church. We do not see that in the Bible. We do not see that in the Word of God. Right? We do not see in the Bible the title saint used in that way, where someone lived a super holy life and did amazing things, and then they were given a special designation by the church. We just don't see that. The authority of the, the, the word of God is not what I say. It's what the word of God says, right? Are you with me, church? I know there's teachings that say that, and, and really, I, I, I just say it unapologetically because the Bible is the truth. It's the word of God. It has the authority. And so we just don't see it that way. You look at other dictionaries, you're going to see it used to describe a really nice person, right? If there's a person who is giving and helpful and kind, you've ever been on the side of the road and, you know, you've got a flat tire and you're struggling and someone pulls over, you look at them and said, you are a saint, right? You guys with me? Right, we say that, you're going to hear that referred, you're going to hear that uh, someone referred to as a saint, but that's, that's not how it is either. And if you're a football fan, you're mourning because, you know, because your, your New Orleans Saints are no longer in the playoffs, Right? Go Chiefs, amen? No, I'm just kidding. But, ah, all right, now everybody's leaving. Everybody's out, okay? Okay, let's get serious. Here is, some of you guys are looking at me like, this guy's nuts. Now we know who the nut is, all right. Paul is using the word saint. How is he using this word saint here in this verse? If you skim through Ephesians, you're going to see Paul use the word saint many times. Right? And he uses it to describe in Ephesians those that are in the church. And let's just be clear, none of those that Paul is writing to are dead. He calls them saints. They're alive at the moment when they're receiving this. Paul's not writing this to people that were perfect. If he was, he wouldn't have to write it to them. He wasn't writing this letter to those that were the great and the best people that ever lived. He's, writing to, he's not writing to those people that, that were gone and, 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 and have gone to heaven at this point. He's not doing that. 
So just how is Paul using this word? The same way he uses the word here in Ephesians and 42 places in the New Testament. When the word saint is used in the New Testament, he uses the title saint to describe the church. More specifically, those that are saved, those that are born again, those that are Christians, followers of Jesus Here's the encouraging part. If you have trusted in Jesus, if you have repented of your sins and turned to Jesus and the Lord has saved you, then you are part of his church. If you are a Christian, if there's been a time in your life that you have confessed Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you are saved. And here's the news for that. That means you're a Christian and that also means that you are being referred to, referred to here as a saint. Wouldn't it be fun if you looked to the person next to you and said, man, if you follow Jesus, you are a saint, right? Now, it might be hard to say it to the person sitting next to you this morning because you live with him or something, but, you know, (laughs) but that's how Paul uses it 42 times in the New Testament. He uses it to describe those that are Christians. Are you with me, church? That's how he describes it. If you know Jesus, hey, you're saints, amen? Might not act like it, but we're saints, right? He used it to describe those that are followers of Jesus and part of the church. And we're going to see why he uses that as we walk through Ephesians. But it's important to know that the term saint in the New Testament is always used to describe those that are saved, those that are made blameless, those that are clean, those that are pure, and those that Jesus has set apart. Let me say that again. It's describing those that Jesus has saved, those that are made blameless, those that are clean and pure, and that Jesus has set apart. Let me say something here. We don't earn it. We didn't deserve it. When we give our lives to Jesus, he forgives us. He paid our penalty for our sin. He is the only one that can make you pure and blameless and forgive you. Do you understand that this morning? Right? We can't earn that. He's the one that does that. And so we might look at this and say, man, not only is the person not next to me a saint, but I'm no saint, right? I know how I live my life. But the great news is, is because of Jesus, you can be forgiven and made pure and called a saint because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? If you don't know Jesus today, man, I'm telling you, man, he loves you. He came and he died for you. You were on his mind when he died on that cross. He died for you. He shed his blood for you so that he one day could write a letter to you and you would read that and know that you are a saint because he made you blameless and and pure and, and, and holy and set apart and forgiven. Amen, church? Man, that's encouraging. Paul is speaking about who we are in Christ. If you know Jesus, you are all those things. You are a saint, not because of you, but because of him. If you've not trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, he wants to save you. The Bible says that he desires all would come to know Jesus. Let me be very clear. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church. It doesn't matter how many verses you have memorized. It doesn't matter if you have Caleb put on the back of your car. Amen? It doesn't even matter if you put it on Facebook and says, I'm a Christian. Have you given your life to Jesus? Has he drawn you near to, to him? And have you, have you responded and believed in him and given your life to him? Because he wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He knows every sin. The one you did last night, the one you're going to do later, and the one you did that you don't want anybody to know about. He knows about all of that. And he wants to forgive you of that. And he wants to give you a pure life and clean and make you clean before him. So that one day when you go up before him, and, and there's not this whole St. Peter thing, by the way, but if you were to go up there and, 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 and Jesus can look at the, the, the book of life and say your name is in there, because Jesus saved you. You can't earn it. I can't earn it, but we can have faith in Jesus. And if we trust and follow Jesus and call on him to save us, then he makes you clean and pure and forgiven and calls you a saint. 
That's a good word. That's encouraging. If you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you, man, call on him to save and forgive you today. But the first three chapters, it's going to look at who we are in Jesus. You see how excited I am right now? Just wait till we walk through those, man. This is the challenging part. Here's the challenging part. You know, I've got a son, and I take my last name very seriously. Well, I've got two sons. I didn't forget. Man, but there are, there are ways, man. I tell my boys, man, you are a Vanderford. You might not be able to say it yet. You might not be able to spell it. My, my kindergarten said to me, I wish I had a shorter name. Well, too bad, son. That's what you get, man. But there's a way that I expect them to live. There's a way that I expect them to treat people. I looked at my son the other day, and I said, your mom's a lady. He walks and opens up the door for her. Amen. Good stuff, right? There's a way that we teach them to walk. Now, because we belong to Jesus... He tells us how we should live, right? I don't even know where I'm at. By the way, I want to go back here real quick before we get into the faithful part. Colossians 1, 21 through 22 tells us that in Jesus, he presents us as, and makes us holy and blameless and beyond reproach. That's just another verse for you in case you need it. A title that you and I don't deserve, a name that we would never earn on our own, but he makes us pure and holy and blameless and forgiven because of Jesus. So who are we in, who are we in Jesus? And then now, how do we live? We, lead, we live faithfully. God calls us to be faithful. This is the challenging part. We have our flesh, let's just be honest, we have our flesh, the Bible says in Galatians that we have a, a battle between the, the Holy Spirit which lives within us and our flesh, amen, right? We know that, you're like, man, I've been saved, why am I still dealing with this, right? Because we don't have glorified bodies yet, we're not in heaven yet, but we have our flesh, and, our, and, and just be honest with us, guys, right? It, the, the, the flesh says, I want this, and I want to do this, and I want to pursue this, and I want to have that. And then you have the world that focuses on materialism and sex and money and climbing the ladder and many other worldly things. But Jesus is calling us not to be faithful to the world or to ourselves, but to him. And he's going to tell us how to do that. And that is what Paul does in the last three chapters of Ephesians. He talks about and teaches how we can faithfully and obediently walk with Jesus Christ. And we'll see Paul address our walk with Jesus personally. And we're also going to see how he's going to address how we faithfully follow Jesus in the church. How do we live and serve and be active and devoted members? Church, let me just be, I'm just going to lay this out here. You're going to be challenged to serve and be devoted to Authentic Life Church because of him, not because of me or anybody else. Are you with me? We're going to talk about the body of Christ a lot. So how do we walk? How do we live and serve within the church? And he's also going to address how do we love? How do we walk? How do we follow Jesus? Paul's going to talk about God's design and how we faithfully follow Jesus in marriage. That's a truth we need to hear today. How do we follow Jesus in our families? Another truth we, need, truth we need to hear. How do we follow Jesus in the community, in our workplace, with the government? All that. So he's going to address that. And even how to live faith. his commandments right if we love jesus we will keep his commandments jesus said that not me right if we love him so here's the thing when we don't keep his commandments we're loving something else or someone else more than jesus that's what he's saying or we're not loving him at all if we love him we will keep his commandments and ephesians lays that out for us we're going to learn who we are in christ that we are his because of his grace and his love right we don't earn it it's because he loves us and because he's gracious 
And because of that love that he has for us and the grace given to us, and because we love him and we follow him and obey and trust him, right? I'm telling you, church family, this is going to be good. It's going to be encouraging and challenging. But here's the thing. Let's make sure we have our attitudes and our posture, our humility, right? Let's get in the right place. Let's make sure that we hear from God and that we trust his word and that we apply it. I know in America we don't like to use this word, but the Bible uses it a lot. Let's submit ourselves to God and his truth. Be ready for what he has for you. Be ready for what he has for our church. 